Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast Show 301. We're in the triplets and we're fired up. We are going to be talking about the NFL Divisional Playoffs. We've got four games this weekend. Two on Saturday, which is Atlanta and Philadelphia. In Tennessee and New England is the late game. Those ones don't start until later afternoon. And then on Sunday, we've got Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. Those start at, you know, 1 Eastern, noon Central. And then the late game, I think I think the first game and the last game are the best ones. New Orleans at Minnesota. Uh, that should be awesome. Me, myself, and I and Stag's Stag Party are doing an Uber conference, sitting in our own places, doing this over the interwebs. Um, and Houdini has got the week off hanging out with the fam and doing it up. How you doing, Stag Party? Good. You know, this is one of the exciting weeks of football where you, you know, last week it was a, a lot of tough matchups, guys not in such great spots. But now you get that same sort of four-game slate in DFS. But you get a little clearer paths. Um, there's a lot different plays you can go with, and it's a little bit deeper. And these are probably, you know, I don't think these are the four best or eight best teams in the NFL. But by the end of it, I, I think we could be down to the four best potentially. So that's something to uh, look forward to. Uh, it should be, you know, some offense in all these games. And there's going to be enough defense to boast. But I do think there is going to be points scored on both sides. So I look forward to it. I look forward to some good football. And, you know, I'm also excited about, you know, football in general. Lots of, you know, hires around the league making things exciting yet again. And, you know, the Bears are one of the leaders in that, you know, sure. hiring Matt Nagy, hiring Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator from Oregon. Uh, you know, getting the uh, offensive line coach from Notre Dame. It, it's looking it's looking up. As a fan, you know, we haven't been able to say that very often. I completely agree. The more I read about Nagy and the more that I'm kind of seeing what he's throwing together and hearing about experts and beat writers that have been following uh, Eagles and then obviously the Chiefs and just people within the know um, – they're saying that we got a winner here and we've done well. So uh, I'm, I'm liking the energy. A young guy who's got a lot of passion, who's never been in this position, in my eyes, is always going to be a better um, uh, visceral, um, resolve, uh, compassionate, and, and, and leader than a guy that's on his third or fourth stop in coaching uh, has had head coaching jobs. I mean, basically Fox got fired from the Panthers, was hired by Denver uh, within the week, then got fired by Denver. We hired him within a week or two. It's just like that from day one, we knew that was going to be a garbage hire. So I'm liking the energy on what's happening here for our Bears. Yeah, and around the league, there are some exciting things to be happening. You know, pretty much – uh, the Andrew Luck, uh, you know, Cam Newtons, Russell Wilsons of the world, they're all going to have offensive coordinators, new offensive coordinators next year. You know, so that makes things exciting. It gives a lot of different, you know, things that you could dig into during the offseason. You know, when they hire these new guys, what are their tendencies? What do we know about them? Are, are they fans of the tight end position? 
or is it going to run through the wide receivers? And you could use that, you know, to sharpen your knife for next year. Yeah, one of my buddies on Facebook and an old friend from um, high school loves Colin Coward. Loves him. Oh, my God. That's a mistake. I know. It's weird. He loves him. And I'm a part of a couple of football-like groups um, with him on Facebook, and he's always posting this Colin Coward stuff. And one of the things that uh, – so I, I, I watch it. You know, there are these quick little YouTube three-minute videos. I don't have to watch a fucking hour or two hours. I don't even know how long the show is. I don't think I've seen a show on Fox Sports in ages or maybe ever. But uh, one of the things that he was talking about this week, amongst other things, other than the Patriots, which he's always fucking talking about, is, um, you know, that this is uh, this is the blame game week. You know, this is like just everyone else is getting blamed. All these offensive coordinators uh, are getting fired because, you know, it's just that's the head coach can't get fucked up. So they're having so many opportunities. And one of the funny ones to me, like to say, Cam Newton, Norm Turner hired as the offense coordinator. Uh, but I do think it's kind of funny and almost, um, almost whatever. I'm not going to bring up any of the, uh, the White House stuff. But Norm Turner, offense coordinator for the Panthers. Uh, Norm Turner's son is the QB's coach. Norm Turner's brother is the off- an offensive consultant. And Norm Turner's nephew is an assistant QB coach. Um, and I love what spreading I the wealth there for sure. What's that? Spreading the wealth there for sure. There's not nepotism. I, I hear the NFL is looking into the Raiders on the Rooney rule. Um, I'm pretty sure that this uh, this Panthers hire um, is 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 not within within the rules. Amen. You get the guy you want, not a big deal, and maybe it only applies to a head coaching job. But. Um, and the funniest thing I saw was from uh, oh, what's the fucking guy's name? I'm spacing his name, but on Twitter he's like, and the um, <laughs> oh, God. he's like, and Ivanka Turner is hired as we don't know her job yet. <laughs> Sorry, I know you hate it when I get political. Let's rock. Oh, let's talk quickly. You know, we got. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be able to cruise through these games, but. How was how you, how are you feeling after show three hundred, buddy? That that shit show. I feel all right. I went back out drinking after it, so I can't complain too much. You did? Oh my god! Yeah, I needed to force more of those fucking shots down your throat. <laughs> I Not, had, you were, what time did you go out till that night? Uh, like one thirty. Not too late. You're a fucking genius. I I gotta start drinking Coronas. I think. Uh, <laughs> And some, and I, yeah, I noticed you had a couple of Dogmatica's uh, Coors, Coors Lights. Yeah, uh, towards the end. I fully blacked out. Like, the, I got a crazy story, dude. I, I the, That second game ended. I passed out pretty hardcore. I don't know what time that is, 10, 11. Um, and I, I woke up at like 3 in the morning with, the night, with a nightmare that I didn't save our last vial. I had no idea how many we had done, and I just like sitting there. And I was like, "What? Where, where was I? I don't really remember the end of the night or day." <laughs> um, and then, so I got up and I fucking did. I I, uh, I opened the computer and made sure everything was saved. I was like, "All right, good. Everything was saved." And I, I was blacked out, but not a total idiot. And then, I as I'm going back to grab some water out of the fridge. I stepped on a huge fucking piece of glass and 
I was like, oh my God. And I was able to pull it right out. It hurt like fuck for three days, but it wasn't like anything that got like, I didn't even remember until the next morning. I went back to bed. and was like, what the fuck was that? And I, so the next morning, I didn't even remember. I had like a, a, a towel in the corner with broken glass that Houdini had broken a glass. Yeah. I, I didn't remember. I, I don't remember anything. I remember the next morning, I was like, God, we didn't play any of the music. And then I, while I'm editing the shows, I'm like, dude, we played a ton of the music. Like, <laughs> I was just a fucking mess. So, um, good times. Glad we had it. I don't think it was the show we were expecting for so many reasons, but I think it was fun. I gotten some feedback from some of our fans, and they they, they loved it and enjoyed it. So, uh, good times. I expected. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Uh, last thing I'll say before we get into the Falcons, the Eagles. Um, I'm going to be recording a podcast with Wheeler this Sunday morning. Um, basically, Wheeler was supposed to be on the last guest on episode 300, but because the games were gone, we were so shitty and like kind of enthralled and watching that uh, Chiefs Titans game, um, and just we were done and spenty. Uh, I kind of forgot about him and didn't have him on, and I felt really bad about that because Wheeler's the man. Um, so we're gonna have we're gonna be having a show, the show three hundred two on Sunday morning before the Sunday games. We'll talk probably about what happens on Saturday, the games we're about to talk about, and then uh, also we had had a um, a little bit of an agenda that we wanted to talk about while he was on, amongst other things. So I'm excited for the pyro listeners and whatnot to hear from Wheeler because uh, in my phone calls and Twitterness and emails and all this stuff. He's a really dope, chill fucking guy, and I think it'll be a great show. So that's going to happen on uh, Sunday. You got anything else you want to talk about, or let's get into the Falcons-Eagles? Let's roll. Let's roll and rock. All right. Um, Falcons are going to be at the Eagles. I think, you know, some of the crazy stuff, and I'll let you kind of just do your thing and intersperse with some of the fun things I've kind of come up with along the way. But Falcons are favored. Um. I guess from what I've read, that's the first time in the history of the playoffs that a six against a two, that the six is favored. Obviously, we know why uh, Wentz is out, but uh, that seemed pretty uh, pretty interesting to me that the Falcons are favored in this game away. Yeah, well, since yeah, Sick well, has been the starting quarterback this game, uh, it's been you know tough on them. Uh, you know, he had one real standout performance, and then since, since then, it's been struggle. Um, so you, you look at this offense and how it's been functioning, and, and, and you're worried about it. I, I mean, can they score, uh, you know, 20 points to me and maybe hold the Falcons offense down to 17? Because if you try to get out into a shootout with the Falcons, it's not going to help. And the Falcons, you know, basically since week nine, have played like a top five defense in the league. You know, they're getting pressure on the quarterback again. Uh, their safeties and linebackers, you know, they've got so much range at those positions uh, that they're going to cause havoc for a guy like Zach Ertz. They're going to hit him over the middle. They're going to be physical. It's going to be a, a violent game. So that's what, uh, you know, a lot of different factors to look at there. You look at, you know, Matt Ryan and how he's played uh, during, you know, the stretch. While they haven't been great fantasy numbers, he's, you know, played like, you know, just a, a little bit more than a game manager plus, but he's looking good. 
you know, they're winning games. And you look at over the last two seasons, how many games they've won. Uh, and Ryan's just doing enough being accurate and getting the ball out quick and, you know, letting the run game work for him. But, you know, there's, this is going to be a tough rush defense. So, uh, you know, are Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman going to have as much room as they had last week? Or is it going to be all on the back of Matt Ryan? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the one thing that's trending in Matt Ryan and this passing offensive side of thing for the Falcons is the fact that everyone was worried with Matt Ryan, the fact that he just hasn't been out. You know, he's a dome quarterback. And out of their last seven games, he's been inside or been in warm temperatures. His outdoor games were in L.A. Uh, last week and Tampa before that. Um, good news for Falcons fans. It's supposed to be 45 degrees in Philadelphia on Saturday. So it could have easily been, you know, 25 degrees. And now all of a sudden that's a, that's a talking point. I don't think any quarterback, no matter if they're used to being a warm weather guy or not, is going to be that affected by a 45 degree day. And it's supposed to be rainy. So I think that uh, that maybe trends a little bit towards the running backs. And if you look at the Eagles backfield, which has got some serviceable guys, probably more guys can get it done than anybody else. Um, but there aren't standouts. I'll take a rainy game, mudded up kind of situation uh, with Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman any day over JHI, Blunt, uh, Clement, and well, whoever else, right? Uh, I I do think they're going to have to roll with a lot more Jai than they sure. have been for uh, sure. So so now it is a game where he could see twenty to twenty five carries because you have Nick Foles at quarterback uh, and you're facing a defense that's a little light in the loafers. They're a speed rush sort of outside defense, except for you know Grady Jarrett up the middle, who's a, who's a monster. Um, but you you can run right at them and and make things happen. So I think a way to do it might be to play power football, run it up the gut, you know, just get get it going. And also, like, a guy like Clement, you know, is going to be good. As Atlanta has allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs on the season, uh, the most receiving yards to that position, and four touchdowns. Uh, they are you know, fairly strong at stopping – uh, rushing touchdowns, which gives you a little bit of applause about J.H.I., but but I do think J.H.I. is now sort of accomplished enough as a receiver that, that he can make an impact there in addition to, you know, racking up 80 to 100 yards rushing if they give him the ball enough. I completely agree. He's going to He's going to be teasing fantasy owners for next season big time this year because he's going to get that workload that uh, we thought he'd get and kind of had maybe week two and three when he was on Miami. But I love a quote I read um, from uh, from a press conference that he had a couple days ago. I just know whenever my number is called on Saturday, I'm going to be ready and my hair is going to be on is going to be on fire. Um, so this is a guy that when he came over to them, kind of I think in his mind maybe thought he was going to just get. After maybe a week or so of learning the playbook, he was going to kind of be that lead back, and they went out and got him. And that really hasn't been the case. So I totally do agree with you that they kind of did go get him for this matchup, and um, he's going to get a lot of uh, rushes. Uh, A thing that I read on Twitter from a guy that I love, 
you guys check them out on Twitter. Uh, it's at Stoned Philly Fan. Um, pretty, pretty hilarious account reading some of his stuff. Obviously, he's a homer, but Eagles are 11 and 1 with 25 plus carries, and the Falcons are 0 and 6 when teams rush 25 plus carries. It's clear what we should do. So, when you hear those kind of stats, it makes it seem real simple, like it's a one sided game. But I agree with you that Ajay, I think that they're going to realize. I don't think, I don't think Foles has been. I don't think Foles all of a sudden they're going to like release the Kraken and be like, all right, Foles, we know you were just kind of playing lightly and now we're just going to show them what you got. Um, Cause they're going to be probably not in that uh, NFC championship game if they do that. Yeah. Um, you know, going back, circling back to Matt Ryan, these two teams did meet last season when Atlanta, you know, ended up going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Ryan was just 18 for 33 for 267 yards with a touchdown and an interception. But, uh, you know, Julio Jones had a big game. Devonta Freeman did it both rushing and receiving, uh, 49 yards on the ground and 32 through the air. So it wasn't a great game for him. But Julio, you know, 10 for 135 went off. Taylor Gabriel caught a 76-yard touchdown. Um you know, those guys were all good. What's that? Where has that been this year? It, it happened sort of last week for a while for Julio. Taylor Gabriel. I was about Tyler Gabriel. Remember, he, he's the one who helped open all that shit up for, for the team on their Super Bowl run last year. It's just he seems Gabriel non-existent. Yeah, non-existent. Uh, not, not enough of a factor to really worry about right now. You know, they've been going a lot more to Mohamed Sanu. Uh, in the game plan, so that, that's something. Uh, if you're looking for a second wide receiver, Sanu might be a guy. Uh, you know, you could look at. Um, and, and then the other weapons, I, I don't really think there are many. So I think you're going to go with Jones and, and Freeman, and, and then probably Sanu, and then I'd probably avoid Austin Hooper unless you think he's catching a touchdown pass. Uh, and everybody along those lines, I don't think Taylor Gabriel's in the game plan. Um, you know, anybody deeper is probably out for me on the Atlanta side. Um, there's, I mean, I think Julio's in a great spot here uh, against this past uh, defense. You you look at, you know, how they can defend wide receivers, uh, and you look at the yardage that they gave up in the past game. You know, there's a lot of room for success there for a guy like Julio. So, I, who do I you think goes to play? You know that I've been saying for a couple weeks now that I think the Falcons. I, I, I thought it, I thought they had to get past the Rams because I didn't. They were the unknown. Um, and let's remember, the Rams are the highest scoring team in the league this year, and they were held to 13 points last week by this Falcons defense. So even just adding. Even if, if, if Wentz was in there and what the, what's going on there, this defense is coming around. Their, big, their biggest problem has been turnovers all year, but no time, as you said earlier, about how they've been playing over the last nine games or so, um, giving up 17.3 points per game. This Falcons defense is, 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 is fast, they're good, and they're ready to rock it. Uh, my question for you is, 
And then the thing I was saying is I think the Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. I kind of almost think they're going to win it just because of that's the way weird stories and your narrative street kind of works in, in weird ways. Um, obviously, I think if they win this game, I, I kind of think they're going to the Super Bowl. But who do you think wins this game? Uh, I do think it's going to be the Falcons. You know, with without a guy, with a guy like Foles back there, it's going to be tough. You know, look at the playoff experiences for you know Foles when you compare him to Matt Ryan now, who's been battle tested in the playoffs. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, last time these two teams played, we talked about it. Carson Wentz was the quarterback of the Eagles. He threw for just 231 yards, did not score a touchdown. Uh, so that was concerning. Uh, it, it was actually a very successful game for Ryan Matthews, who had 109 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Uh, and Wendell Smallwood had 70 yards rushing. They were able to run the ball whenever they wanted. So if you're looking for that, how are the Eagles going to sustain drives, you know, with with nobody quarterback or, you know, a quarterback who, you know, struggles in big moments and really hasn't been on this stage before, you got to think that these, this team is going to run the shit out of the ball. But dumber things have happened. Totally. Remember when you're doing DFS, going back to some of our uh, Vegas implied point total and, and just uh, the way things happen there, the over-under on this game is 41.5, which is pretty low. So when thinking about, um, you know, things happening there, well, I think, like you said, Stags, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a handful of players that are ready to explode in this one. But overall, Vegas thinks this, uh, this is to be a low-scoring game. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Yeah, uh, let's talk a bit of the passing game for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, because, you know, guys like Alshon Jeffrey – what has he been able to do over the last, you know, handful of weeks? Um, especially, you know, how has he played with, um, you know, Foles at quarterback? Because that's what really matters. So we did see the first game he was out there. He was able to score a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, over week 16 and 17, uh, he really didn't play week 17. But the guy had four targets, one catch for eight yards, he just really wasn't involved in that week week sixteen in Oakland, uh, and then you know, week fifteen. That's when it was really, you know, he scored a touchdown. So, you know, the three games we saw these guys playing together, they barely played together. We don't know what the continuity is. We don't know what the chemistry is, but we do know that a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who over that same sort of stretch. Has been, you know, the preferred target. Um, you know, we got nine targets in week 15 against the Giants, seven targets uh, in week 16 against Oakland. And he's got a little bit of touchdown upside. So Aguilar, I think, you know, deserves maybe a wide receiver two or three spot in DFS lineups. Uh, other than that, you know, I don't think I could go deeper to the Mac Hollins, Torrey Smiths. Uh, Shelton Gibson, Marcus Johnson's of the world at wide receiver on this team. Totally. Uh, last time these guys played each other in the playoffs was um, back in 2005. It was in the uh, NFC Championship game, Eagles-Falcons. 
and the Eagles won to go to the Super Bowl. That is the Super Bowl. That's when T.O. was on the team. Donovan McNabb. That was Donovan McNabb. T.O. was on the team. He didn't play in that game because he had a broken leg uh, a handful of weeks earlier. But that was the game that T.O. came back and played on a a drug-induced broken leg and lit it up. But uh, Tom Brady, I think that was Tom Brady's second, um, maybe third, um, championship. But so – Interesting. That was 12 years ago. Time flies. Uh, this this game is going to be pretty sweet, in my opinion. Um, I'm ready to watch it. I, 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 I have high expectations for Atlanta. I really do wish Wentz was playing in it because I think, I think Eagles win if they, that happens. But the defense of the Eagles is ridiculous. Let's see if the, uh, the Phila fans can bring that mojo and that energy that can be a difference. And um, that's why we play the games. You know what I mean? That's why we play the games. Yeah. All right, let's go to you. You good to go to the go to the Tennessee and uh, New England? Absolutely. Do you feel like uh, New England's got its second bye week in a row? I mean, a little bit. I just don't know if they have the firepower on offense uh, to keep up with New England. I don't know if they have the pieces on defenses to uh, on defense to slow them down. Uh, the way you can get to Tom Brady uh, is really by trying to get to Tom Brady in the pocket. Make him move. Make him move his feet. Uh, you know, throw off his timing. Blitz him. Get him moving around. Uh, that's when you can have a lot of success. I, I don't think you know that Tennessee really has pressure players that are going to get there and get home with just four men on the line. So then they're going to look, you know, look to Dick LeBeau to run this, you know, zone blitz scheme. And then we see what happens when Tom Brady, you know, gets a, a second in zone coverage, things just get diced up. So it is looking, you know, it's pretty, pretty good for the Patriots path to at least another AFC championship game. Um, DeMarco Murray already being ruled out here, you know, you know, probably gives a little bit more uh, of an edge to Tennessee. They know that they have to ride with Derrick Henry. They know that it's just going to be a, you know, run, run, power, run, wear him down. You know, Henry's going to play. He's over the last two weeks, he's played 97% of the snaps as the lone back. They've been two playoff wow. games for Tennessee. Uh, yeah, but we, we've never seen a, a Marcus Mariota-led team go up against the Patriots, you know. But Bill Belichick, the first time he faces a quarterback, he usually does pretty well. And we know he usually does pretty well coming off a of bye week and with time to prepare. All right, I'm going to do a Valverde. And then after that, as I spoke beer all over the fucking place, after that, we're going to do take a break right now and uh, listen to this word from our sponsors. Sweet. Sweet. Um, yeah, it could be. I meant to do that before we started this game, but I didn't. So I'm doing it now. It happens. Whatevs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. It's. I, I I like what I saw, obviously, with that national championship game, uh, whatever that quarterback was um, for – I face these Hawaiian names, but um, Kia. 
Uh, but yeah, log out. I can't even pronounce it right now. I had it the other day. I pressed. You had, it, you had it when he was killing it. That was a fucking awesome game, by the way. Yep. Um, sorry to our boy OC. We love you, man. That guy must have been just like hitting the crack pipe at halftime and then hitting the crack pipe afterwards. <laughs> I probably had no chance of saying it right, but it looks like Tio Taga Tago Voila. <laughs> Like he pulled, he pulled, uh, no, like voila, like the magicians say, you know, it's like it's like a goddamn magic trick that the man pulled off at the end of that game. <laughs> exactly, dude. I love it. Um, all right, cool. Well, we'll keep on going with this. Yeah, like you said, Demarco Murray out, and above and beyond this game, if you are a Derrick Henry um, dynasty owner, or if you are somebody that drafted him um, like I did in keeper league really late. He's looking real good right now because I'm telling you, it sounds like reading a little bit of the news outside, who knows what's right and what's wrong, but why are the Titans going to keep a DeMarco Murray, what is he, 30 years old, almost 30 or just turned 30, had his worst season in years where he actually was getting some volume other than the Chip Kelly uh, moment. Um, Derek Henry is looking prime as a great uh, keeper, Dynasty guy, what have you for next season? Um, all eyes on that guy. If you can do off-season trades, if you can do anything, I mean, just seeing that guy, the man amongst he's a he's a he's a big man amongst men. Um, I think the next few years for him have a with that offensive line, with that run-minded uh, game, and now with some of the, some other weapons on the sideline, I think Derrick Henry's looking prime for next season. Yeah, he, he's probably going to be a top 12 running back off the board. So if you can keep any value out of him, do it now. Uh, especially, you know, if you can make trades in your keeper league, like you mentioned, uh, he could be a guy to acquire. You know, the writing is on the walls for DeMarco Murray uh, to be cut from this team. And it was always sort of expected to be the transition years, and now it's uh, time to go. So oh. now let's make that transition. We're seeing it happen. And the guy's... You know, a big man. Like, he, he can get around the corner with speed. Uh, and then he's a tough dude to bring down in the open field. So I wouldn't like that task. So I do think we're going to see a whole lot of Derrick Henry in this game. Uh, because, And I think we're going to see a whole lot of Mariota running the ball. Um, over the last couple weeks, That that's really how Mariota's you know, been making hay. Uh, it hasn't been much with his arm, you know. Uh, week 17, he had just 134 yards and a touchdown. And then week, uh, the wild card, 205 yards and a touchdown with an interception. But he's averaged nine carries uh, for 53 yards over that span. They're going to run some of these RPOs, you know, spread style offense, get them on the edges, let them run, let them make decisions out in space. Uh, and just run him because right now him and Henry are their best weapons to success with, with their receivers still struggling. Corey Davis, uh, you know, struggling in the playoff game. Um, you know, Eric Decker caught a touchdown, but really other than that, uh, you know, as a weapon in the red zone, hasn't been a big chain mover or reception guy of the season. Uh, their one sort of dependable guys have been Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker. But even then, 
Uh, you know, their overall statistics haven't looked that great. So, so you're looking to see how they're going to get it done. And there's a lot of question marks up in the air. Um, you know, Richard Matthews over the last, you know, three weeks of the season averaged just 50 yards uh, receiving, but did have a touchdown. Um, you know, caught just one pass for 15 yards last week on two targets. It, it, the cohesiveness with these receiving weapons just hasn't been there on a weekly basis. So I think I'd probably avoid them all except for, uh, you know, Delaney Walker and uh, is Mariota throwing a touchdown pass to himself again? <laughs> um, I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, off season for him, he's got to, he's got to, he's got to work on that passing game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, let's let, let's let's move over to Delaney Walker's calling for uh, a, a shock and a surprise. Uh, I, um, uh, Be the, better. Everybody everybody's writing these guys off, so you might as well call for it. I agree. I agree. I love it when I see that stuff. Definitely not uh, negging it. Uh, do you want to go over to New England Patriots? Uh, looks like Rex is 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 trending to be able to play this week. Uh, definitely got Hogan is off the injury chart for the first time since he hurt his shoulder, I don't know, a week back, middle of the season, after he was, I think, a top 10 wide receiver. So he's top five. Top top five. five. Yeah, he was he was top five. Um, so he's he's back in, in the Brady bitches brew. Uh, what else? What do, you, what do you think? And let's talk New England Patriots and that offense and what we think can happen. I mean, I, I think this offense is going to be able to be humming here. Like uh, Tennessee, they're they're much stronger stopping the you know opponents' run game than they are at stopping you know the pass game. Uh, this team has struggled with throws, and uh, they're they do have some upside, and they started to come together on defense. You know, with Dory Jackson, uh, you know, and uh, McCordy. They've all started to play well. Um, Logan Ryan, these guys have all played real well this season. Uh, And then that safety, um, what's his name, Bird? Byard, Kevin Byard. Like, that guy's played real well. Uh, They've been making some impact plays, but just the way they can still give it up. um, You look at the, the running backs, you know, how are they more likely to get it done? It's probably going to be a little bit through the air, you know. Rex Burkhead, you know, um, Dion Lewis, and uh, you know James White. They're probably all going to get a lot of run as receivers in this game. Uh, Tennessee, what allowed the fewest rushing touch uh, rushing touchdowns on the season to opposing running backs with just four, um, and only allowed you know twelve hundred yards rushing to running backs. But they are a lot weaker when we talk about uh, third most uh, receptions allowed and the most receiving yards allowed uh, and tied for the most uh, receiving touchdowns allowed to opposing running backs. So uh, that's a way that New England's going to attack them. Is Rex going to be healthy for a full complement of snaps? Or is he going to be in there for the 5 to 10 to 15 and then a tough DFS play? So. I think I'd rank the back still Deion Lewis at the top. Yeah, I'm sure he's still going to see volume either late game as a running back or, you know, as a receiver, maybe early where he, 
you know, functions more as a true workhorse than we expect. Um, and then other guys, I, I think it'd be James White over Rex Burkhead for me, but you know, Rex has so much more touchdown upside that we've seen recently. So that, that's a bit of a question mark. Do you think, um, what are your expectations and what are, what's the scouting report for Gronk? Obviously he's a beast always, but, um, is it going to be a, a Brady to Gronk type of matchup against the Titans, or is it more of a finally Cooks, who's been kind of a dead dead in the water a li- little bit over the late? Um, is it could it be a Cooks game, or is it uh, who, who do you think out of that receiving arsenal um, could come up with the biggest game? Uh, I bet on Gronk. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks has been. Uh, over the last three weeks, a top 10 receiver, uh, basically on the strike to scoring two touchdowns, uh, you know, over those final three weeks, one at Pittsburgh, one at the Jets. Cooks has been, you know, heavily targeted, but he's the speed threat. When he hits a big play, you know, he'll have a big day. But when when they're trying to just move the ball up and down the field and more consistently, Cooks isn't a guy that's really going to help you with that. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the slot receiver for this team for years past, Julian Edelman, you know, Wes Welker. This team will just drive down the field, drive, drive, 13 play drives. Uh, and he'd get, you know, two, three, four catches during that drive. But now Cooks, you know, might get one during a 13 play drive. Uh, Gronk's getting, getting the two river three. And, and he's the real chain mover for this team. So Gronk's. Gronk's the man. I, I I'd bet on you. Um, Tom Brady. Obviously, we know he hasn't had a great little uh, down the road uh, end of the season. Um, I still think he's a lock for the MVP. Uh, but his last five games, he threw five interceptions, um, which has never happened once in his career. Um, is he? Is that a good thing almost for Brady? I know we're talking about this game, but just down the stretch um, that he's locked in. Obviously, we know he's always locked in, but is that a good thing for him, or is Brady finally showing a little bit of age? Uh, I think it is a little bit of age, a little bit of rust, and a little bit of injury. I think it's a lot of different contributing factors. So that's sort of how I'd stack it up. I definitely do think he is a little bit more banged up than people are saying. So uh, I do think he will be healthy uh, and, you know, thriving uh, by the time, you know, it's been a few weeks now. I, I do think he's going to be heavily involved in the game plan. Um, so I, I don't really have any concerns. Yeah, the Achilles, there are a number of lower body injuries that just can fuck you athletically. But the Achilles has got to be right up there. Um, you've always said how the um, – um, <clears throat> what's the knee injury where they drill into it? I'm, I'm facing it off right now. Microfracture? Yeah, the microfracture is more of a basketball uh, death sentence than in football, obviously shown by Melvin Gordon and others. Uh, the Achilles and the toe in football are those – just injuries and obviously the list Frank, which is another foot injury, the, the heel um, and, and the arch of your, your foot. 
those injuries are just these ones you would think would be nothing and move on or whatever that are just like, they just crush, crush you as an athlete. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. The Brady's definitely a little bit um, banged up because that Achilles uh, maybe a little rough. Uh, all right, you got anything else you want to talk about on the Patriots? Uh, any coaching stuff? Is is are are both these guys going to be gone? Is uh, the defensive coordinator going to be the Giants coach? Is Daniels going to what's happening? Uh, I think both of them will be gone. But uh, Patricia sounded like he was going to Detroit. Haven't heard much, you know, since then. So this is something that's going to be monitored. Like, there's going to be a long off season uh, to talk about it. And and right now, there's a little bit too much uncertainty for me to talk about it. All right, let's move on to the next game. Then you good with that? Yeah. All right, Jacksonville at. Pittsburgh Steelers, we know uh, it's been storied that the last time they played this year, Jacksonville smoked the Steelers, couldn't get anything done. Um, you know, go free form if you want to start with the visiting team, fine. But uh, if you want to just talk at a game level, uh, is that kind of a learning lesson for the Steelers? Do the Jaguars have a chance? What are your thoughts on this game before we get into the fantasy nitty-gritty? I mean, the the Jaguars always have a chance because of their defense. Like, their defense brings them to the table every single week and gives them an opportunity. Uh, you know, when we, when we look at the last game they played, what they score? Two touchdowns on defense? <laughs> um, so, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was out here throwing five picks, uh, you know, when you're able to score points on defense, you know, or special teams, that gives you, you know, a high, high chance of winning football games. So, you know, think about it. They scored two pick sixes. Uh, it, it's tough not to like them. Leonard Fournette ran wherever he wanted. It was pretty much his best game of the season. You know, 181 yards, two touchdowns, had that long 90-yard late in the game. Uh, so that makes the numbers look a little bit better, but you know, Jacksonville at the time was an awful run defense and a great pass, you know, uh, defense, and yet they didn't run Le'Veon Bell in that game. They decided, hey, we got to throw, we got to throw, we got to throw it, and it looked bad. Um, but now they're a little bit, you know, better. Since that Marcel Darius trade, they're like a top five run defense in rush yards per carry allowed. So, you know, on the on paper, I had to think the Jacksonville defense is going to hold the Pittsburgh Steelers down a little bit more than we expect. So I, I don't think Pittsburgh is going to win this thing handily. I think they're going to have to battle it out, man. In all honesty, I think this one's going to be. I think this one's going to be a battle and a fight. Unless Bortles dicks it up and starts doing douchey things, I completely agree with you. If Bortles all of a sudden loses his mind, which kind of at moments it seemed like was happening in that uh, Bills game, um, and he just he went back to looking, you know, just the eye test. He, let's be honest, that in that game didn't look like the Blake Bortles of week 15, 14, 15, 16. 
uh, nowhere close. It was more of that second guessing. How did I fuck that up? Um, so if Bortles can just play game manager plus and get the ball out to his young receivers, um, I really like Jacksonville obviously being able to hold the Steelers, but um, Jacksonville being able to do something in their own right. If Bortles fucks this up, it, it'll be apparent early, I think. That's on him. That's on him. Um, I, I definitely don't disagree with you. Blake Bortles can you know, manage a game for you or he could lose a game for you. Uh, right now, knowing that, it's going to be impossible. Uh, we look at Bortles, even what he did against this team earlier this season. He threw for under 100 yards and had an interception. And then they really just said, oh, okay, fuck this. We're not going to let you throw anymore. <laughs> and it was all Leonard Fournette. Even you know Chris Ivory got eight carries. Uh, and TJ Yeldon wasn't even being used then. But if healthy, I expect him to be used as well. Uh, but you know, this is another game where it looks like it's going to be fucking cold as fuck. Like 18 degrees uh, in Pittsburgh. You know, these guys are from Jacksonville, Florida. Jalen Ramsey, you know, played at Florida State. Uh, are, are these guys going to want to be out here? You know, being physical, jamming receivers, trying to keep up with Antonio Brown. When if you stick your hand out too far, it'll fall off frozen. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Ramsey's one of those guys that I'm going to love when he at, in the twilight of his career, and I'm going to respect him. And I know he's like already basically the best, but he's such a cock knocker and just such a cocky mofo. I usually root for the underdog, and I like Jacksonville. Nah, not too much. I, I really don't for the underdog. I want Antonio Brown to make Ramsey look silly in this game. I really do. Um, I want Ramsey to be like, wow, that guy is the fucking greatest. That guy just schooled me. I'm going to work in the offseason. I'll be better because Ramsey's got a legit one. He's going to be a Hall of Famer if he can stay healthy and keep this up. But right now he's just like such – he's such a fucking cocky bastard. And so is Antonio Brown. Uh, and I've got my issues with him as well. But I want Antonio Brown to be like, what up, fuckface? You can't even touch me if we were playing flag football. <laughs> and that's the way he plays, man. You know it. Brown's just on a different level. So hopefully that cap is healed up. He seems to say it is. Um, but I, I, I want a great game, and I want the best team to win. But I definitely want Antonio Brown to be doing some pirouetting and, uh, and diggity dancing on uh, Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, it. Plus, the game is just fun when you get to see that, so I'm not going to say I don't. Um, what, do you think about, what do you think about some of the stuff that came out today? Le'Veon Bell, if they franchise me, I'll retire. <coughs> Bullshit. Uh, but what do you think about just the timing on it? He actually came back on his Twitter and said, hey, I'm focused on winning the Steelers' seventh championship. Do you think the Steelers have a chance at winning the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, they were, what, this close, depending on what you think of a catch rule to beat the Patriots earlier this season. Uh, now this time they're going to have to do it in Foxborough uh, against the battle-tested team, and that's with me just writing off the Tennessee uh, Titans. So hopefully 
you know, the Patriots themselves aren't doing that, um, you know, they, they definitely have a chance. They are one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, they've got the offense to do it. Uh, the defense, as of late, you know, hasn't been as great since that injury. You know, two shades a year losing their sort of heart and soul. Uh, you know, they haven't played like the same team. Um, they haven't been able to, you know, stop the run as well, you know, in coverage uh, against tight ends, running backs. They've struggled a little bit because he's one of the best, you know, coverage linebackers in the league. But, yeah, Pittsburgh definitely has a chance. They just need, you know, a couple things to fall their way. And, and they need to make plays in the playoffs and sort of, you know, have all their pieces healthy. If Antonio Brown's healthy, let's remember that this is going to be the first time they've had the real – you know, killer bees on the field at the same time in the playoffs. They've always seemed to be missing one of these guys when it comes in, came down to crunch time. I agree with that. One thing to remember from uh, your pyro end of year uh, power rankings, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the season, number one against quarterback. Um, no, no BS. Like they're like by far number one. They're almost underneath 10 points per game. Uh, number two is uh, 10.9, they're 10.3. And then also the same goes for wide receiver. Uh, they are literally over two points less per game allowing to wide receivers than any other team out there. They finished number two behind the Vikings, but I think that was more of an average. The Vikings were great against the running back and the tight end. Um and, and, and really good against the defense, uh, uh, special teams and defense. But Jacksonville, QB and wide receiver, whoa. Uh, so it'll, be a, it'll be exciting to see. Um, I think maybe that trends towards Le'Veon Bell just getting disgusting. I mean, you'd have to think that that might be the way that they decide to go about this this game and just riding Le'Veon Bell, you know, doing everything they can with him. Uh, you know, he had 10 catches the last time these two teams played. So he's going to be heavily involved in the game plan, but there is, has been so much development by like Juju Smith Schuster since that time. And, you know, Martavis isn't out here complaining about his role, uh, all, all the time. So, uh, it's an interesting fact, but you know they're they're deeper, they're more diverse right now. They can spread the ball around. You know, even Vance McDonald at tight end has made them a more difficult team to defend. So Vance McDonald's a guy I think under the radar could get a lot of good things happening. Uh, maybe be the guy, the thorn in the Jaguar side. Uh, we have seen teams attack the Jaguars with the tight end. Uh, you know, on the season. So I think it's going to be a good one. What about the passing game of the Jaguars? It looks like Marquise Lee is going to be a little bit healthier. You know, after last week, no setbacks. Uh, You're going to have Alan Hearns out there. You know, Cole, you know, played a boatload of snaps, but, you know, didn't register anything on the stat sheet. D.D. Uh, Westbrook, you know, was moving it uh, a little bit early in the game, but then it was really run game late. So uh, all these receivers, I don't think there's a clear best play here. 
and that makes that, that makes it tough for me in DFS. But uh, I could give you reasons for four or five of them, and I, I think they'd all be good reasons. I I love it. I think we can go to the next game. Here's the one last thing I'll say, and we we've heard some news um, this week that. Kirk Cousins was Kirk Cousins would even said he'd like I would seriously consider the Browns. If I was Cousins, I would go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if they got this guy, and I'm not saying he's all world, he might be the twelfth best quarterback in the league. But right away, that team is Super Bowl ready. I love their running back. I love their young wide receiver crew. Obviously, I think Allen Robinson's a goner. He's going for the money, uh, but they've got some sick weapons there. That defense, and they can keep kind of building that defense and not have to draft anything, not worry about Bortles, either keep him as a backup or just drop him. But Kirk Cousins, if he went to Jacksonville Jaguars, that team is good to go for five years. Good to go. Saints. You done there? Saints at Minnesota. Last game, Sunday. Um, Damn, I'm psyched for this one. This one's going to be sweet. Totally fired up. A lot of people. Just there's no way to know how this one turns out. These two teams are such a solid, solid matchup. Um, Is home field advantage going to be enough for the Vikings? Or is just that weaponry and just kind of this – Last hurrah for um, uh, Breeze and um, and Peyton going to do it. What are, what are your thoughts? Let's talk about the game at large first. I'm going to quickly go run and um, grab a beer. What do you think of the game at large? And then we'll start with the Saints. I mean, the game at large is going to be – I think it, you're right. It is the best one on the weekend. Uh, you know, these teams played week one. It was exciting to watch. The only issue was that, you know, New Orleans couldn't score touchdowns early in the game. You know, the Vikings are one of the best defenses in the league. I, I know earlier in the you know season we talked about, could they be one of the best ever? Uh, and, and, yeah, they've done some things that have put up, you know, best ever type of numbers. Uh, they've... You know what they're doing on third down, how, how they're forcing teams to three and outs. Uh, they're they're absolutely awesome right now. But you know when we look back to week one, uh, the Saints are a much different team than they were right now. Uh, their leading receiver in that game was Kobe Fleener with five catches for fifty four yards and a touchdown, and we haven't really seen Kobe Fleener in existence. Uh, I don't know if he was injured or if it's just Josh Hill time. Uh, Kobe Fleener, you know, has been out of, you know, favor or what. He might have been inactive. So that's something I have to follow back up on. Um, Fleener was put on the IR, I'm pretty sure. I missed that one. That's a good one. Um, But, you know, he was their leading receiver in week one. Um you know, five for 54 and a touchdown. Mark Ingram got five for 54, but didn't score a touchdown. But that was also a game with Adrian Peterson. And they tried to, you know, 
hey, AP, this is your revenge game against your former team. Get it going. Get it going. Get it going. And they tried. You called it. You called that one before in our matchup for week one. You know me and AP, Pulse, Monk, or Jock Sniffer. You're like, dude, it's going to be terrible. They're going to give them the opportunities, but the guy's just done. And um, lo and behold, you were right. Is AP, uh, quickly, I know this has nothing to do with anything Arizona, but is AP done? Does he have a job anywhere next year? Or is, is, is he done? Uh, I'd be betting on done. He doesn't seem to think so. Um, but he talks a good game. Uh, he talks something. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to that. I, I, I agree. That's hilarious. Fleener was the leading receiver um, in that game. So, uh, so yeah, but you look at Minnesota on defense, they stack up so well uh, against the Saints. If they can stop the run, then – What's that? They're the best against the run. Yeah, if they could stop the run, which would, they're one of the best against running backs, uh, you know, in terms of yardage, the, the Eagles were a little bit better, but the Vikings are, you know, a, a tough, tough run defense. So when you look at it, you know, if you think they stop the run, then they're going to try and throw. And when they throw, they throw a lot to Michael Thomas. So then you put Xavier Rhodes on Michael Thomas, and then it's like, okay. You're trying to find that second weapon in the pass game. Is it going to be, you know, Ted Ginn on a consistent basis? No. And we know it's not going to be Willie Sneed on a, you know, six, seven, eight target basis, uh, you know, from what we've seen so far this season. Um, you know, Brandon Coleman doesn't do it. So then your next best weapon is probably going to be to throw to Alvin Kamara a lot and Mark Ingram in the pass game. And really, that might be something the Vikings want to do. It's like, hey, take these dump off to the running backs. We'll, 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 we'll gather. We'll gather. We'll gang tackle. We'll, we'll get this guy. Well, I think that's going to be what they, they're going to have to set up everything through. They're obviously going to try and do traditional running and be, be a running team as they have. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of dump offs to wide receivers. And like you said, if the Vikings can game tackle and do it up, then all of a sudden they know that they can go a little deeper and do the Ken Jr. stuff, uh, get some of these uh, over-the-shoulder passes and whatnot. But I think what you're going to see right out of the gates, almost to just say, hey, we're not going deep, we're not going to wide receivers, we're not running it, we're doing these uh, mid-range dump-offs I think you'll see that they're going to be trying to get Kamara on some short passes, uh, Ingram on some short passes, and then what I think that does is kind of discombobulates the defense If in in a perfect world for the Saints. um, And then they know, they're like, hey, we're willing to to chip away at this thing and not traditionally run it or do what we usually do, you know? Yeah, I'm just worried that that plays into the Vikings' hands. It's like, huh. all right, eventually you're going to fuck this up. You know, we could stop your two best playmakers and we can scheme. You know, after we take out Michael Thomas with Xavier Rhodes, then we're just scheming for your running backs. It's like, all right, Ted Ginn, you know, we'll put a safety over the top with a corner and then, you know, prove – Prove that somebody else can beat us. Somebody else on the roster, you know, the third wide receiver here, uh, you know, 
Josh Hill, the tight end. One of those guys is going to have to make big plays in this game. Totally. Rhodes is that good. I completely agree. I think uh, if Kamara can't explode, this team, this uh, it's going to be a tough day for for the Saints. And obviously, I, I love what Ingram does, but it's going to be tough to run against this team. They're the best against. In fantasy points, wow. In fantasy points, just to put it put it in the scope, they they've allowed twelve point eight fantasy points to running backs per week, which is the best. Um, the worst. 32 is 19. All right, so it's not as bad as they thought, but seven points more um, allowed by uh, the worst team um, at allowing points for for running backs. Is that right? Hold on. 30, no, 22. There you go. Ten points more. Sorry, that didn't feel right. Uh, ten points more, but the Cowboys or the Bills allowed the most points to running backs at 22.6 uh, and Vikings 20, 12.8. And I'm pulling that from the year-end uh, power fantasy football power pyro power rankings, uh, stag parties, weekly delicioso fantasy football goo piece thing. It's just a gem of, of gems. Um, what else you want to throw out there, buddy? So when we're talking about how good the Vikings are against running backs, they they've allowed the second fewest rush yards in the league. Uh, what the fourth? Tied for fourth or fifth, tied for uh, sixth with seven rushing touchdowns allowed. Then they are tied for sixth, uh, allowing 76 receptions on the season. But their 76 receptions on the season only went for 489 yards, which is the third best in the league. And they allowed only one receiving touchdown uh, in in the league. So they're balanced enough that they stop the run and they stop, you know, running backs through the air. And that's been the, what's powered the saints offense. Uh, and, and when they played in week one, we sort of saw that, you know, Kamara had, had four catches, but for just 20 yards, uh, Pete, you know, Ingram caught five for 54. Um, but then, you know, the run game got nothing going at all. You know, you had, uh, Kamara with 18 rush yards, Peterson 18 rush yards, and Ingram 17 rush yards. So it was just bad times all around. Um, I think in general, though, I think in the last week's game, the Saints, it's like it was similar. You know, the run, the running game did nothing, nothing. Like literally, it's the worst running game of the season for them, um, and definitely post uh, Peterson gone. Um, and yet they were able to ride old reliable. It looked like Drew Brees' uh, fantasy from two years ago. It's just like drop back, like all right, these, our running game's not working. So I, I, I think that I think that bodes well. You see that Brees, you can rely on the arm of Drew Brees. They just haven't been because the running game's been so great. But if it's not so great, all right, we've got this. And again, I know we're talking with the Vikings; they got the best defense. Um, here, let's flip it over to the other side. Case Keenum versus Drew Brees. We all know which quarterback we want in the uh, divisional playoff game. Yeah. Is Keenum going to rise above? And I'm I, I, at this point, I'm not making it against Brees. Is he get, is he going to rise above and be the kind of player? And I don't even think he has to be more than a game manager. 
um, that he brings this team to the promised land. This game gets him in the NFC championship, hopefully wins that against whoever it's against. And then if that's the case, you're playing in the Super Bowl at your brand new stadium at home. Can he do it? Or do you think the, 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 the stature of this game and the spotlight and the bright lights and the pressure will uh, make him whittle? I mean, I think Case Keenum is going to be pretty good. But, you know, in week one, Sam Bradford was, like, perfect. Like, you could not quarterback a game better than Sam Bradford week one. I remember that. There was that pass where he put it over the guy's fucking ear hole, uh, right over his shoulder, right next to his ear hole. It singed his helmet. Like, he, he was just so on top of the game. Uh, making great decisions, you know, checking out of plays, getting Dalvin Cook in good spots. Uh, you know, Dalvin himself, you know, was struggling, 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 you know, chugging along for four, four, four. And then late in the game, Sam Bradford put him in a good spot uh, and rushed for a 33-yard game to sort of seal it. But, you know, Thielen had nine for 157. Uh, Diggs had seven for 93 and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, Kyle Rudolph had a touchdown. This team was dealing, but also, you know, Lattimore, uh, Marshall and Lattimore didn't play uh, a bevy of snaps in week one. He he was still, you know, banged up coming off an injury. He wasn't a full-time player. That's really one of the things that's helped change the Saints. Um, so now you can expect, you know, Diggs to, you know, play play a tougher corner and maybe not have as much success. You know, Adam Thielen, you know, he's probably going to bump into the slide a little more in order to try and avoid uh, Lattimore. But, you know, whoever's whoever's off and, you know, getting Crawley is going to have more open lanes, but the rest of the defense is also going to be playing more attention to you. But Sam Bradford was literally, like, perfect in I don't know. Was that, I don't know if that game was a Sunday Monday night. nighter. I think. Yeah, or a Sunday nighter. It was one of those uh, vintage Collinsworth, uh, Al Michaels uh, blowjob Bukaki fests on Sam Bradford, and then um, the glory hole ran out when Bradford, within uh, maybe next week, I think next week got hurt, and I don't know if that guy's ever going to be a starting quarterback in the league again. Um, one thing I will say that I'm surprised that I've been so um, uh, uh, lost-minded on it is you brought up Dalvin Cook, who for from, what was that, week two or three or week four or five when he got hurt till now. I Honestly, we haven't talked. We talked about him a lot. A couple weeks after, but he's been an afterthought, and the team's been so good without him that I kind of actually, when you just brought up his name, like, oh my god, imagine if if that guy was still on the team and hadn't uh, fucked up his ACL. There's Super Bowl winners for sure, almost. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Dalvin Cook. I haven't thought about that guy in almost ten weeks. Yeah. Um. You know, there's a lot of good football players on this Vikings team. Dalvin Cook's going to be one of them. He's going to be, 
you know, it looks like he's already a second, third round pick next year in drafts. Uh, I'm going to have to see how comfortable I am with that, you know, especially considering all the other guys that are still on this depth chart. But I, I guess Jarek McKinnon could be a guy who disappears, but he was also, you know, dynamic and fun to watch this season. So it's not something you really want to see disappear. But um, healthy next year, to me, he's easily uh, an early, early, late second rounder. That's, I mean, just on that team, there's no, they're not, we, we thought that's that team. That could change drastically. You don't know if Case Keenum's the quarterback. We don't know what their offense looks like. You know, Pat Sherman. I'm not even worried about that. We were worried about McKinnon, and we were worried about um, well, it's the, the dude from Oakland. Sorry, I'm spacing it. Murray. Getting late. Murray. Uh, he came, he was the guy. So if he's healthy, I'm not worried about anybody else. Now, my fear is he's coming off a serious injury. How's that working? But that doesn't matter. We, As you know, Stag Party, you know I get fired up for the offseason because that's when I really – that's the kind of podcasting I love doing, these matchup stuff. Let's be honest. I'm not great at it. You're you're the bomb at it. But I get, I get so excited about what can happen for next year and how things are – turning out. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about Cook, Keenum moving on, what have you. Um, got anything else that you want to talk about for this uh, Saints-Vikings game? Uh, the last game of Divisional Playoff weekend. I think we're good. Good times. All right. Um, I think we're good, too. This is sweet. What are you doing for the games? Uh, good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't think much. I think I'm going to try and take it easy. I haven't done that in a while. Oh, brother. Does take it easy mean having a couple uh, Bud Lattes on the couch or just playing? I don't don't drink at home. You you don't drink at home? I don't drink unless I'm a very social drinker. (laughs) Social drinker. Nice. Um... I'm a social drinker and a uh, give myself a boost in the second half of the day drinker at home, solo. Uh, But I will say this. I hadn't had a beer until tonight since our podcast. Maybe I had one during the national championship. But on top of that stag party, back to a couple years ago when you were killing it, D-Rex has been working out. He's got a trainer, and he's lost Nine pounds since Monday. Ooh. Ooh. You that's a little bitch. All you listeners out there, I'm going to be even more interesting and more engaged and more awesome on the show. You sound like Solid Nine right now. You should probably stop. No, I know. I, I'm not saying I'm handsome. I'm just <laughs> really better because I'm actually going to talk to chicks every once in a while. I'm not going to score them. I don't think I'm great. I'm, I'm a fat fuck. Not, I don't sound like Sol- Solid Nine thinks he's a hot shot. You're listening, Solid Nine. You're not that great. <laughs> That's nice. All right. You sort of suck. <laughs> sort of stink. We've, heard, we've seen some of what you've done, and it sort of stinks some of the time. Um, let's do it. Happy New Year, everyone. I know you, if you haven't listened to us or haven't listened to it, Check out our episode 300. It's a um, it's a shit show. Let's be honest. We're 
honestly, drunk, making dumb decisions. What do you say, Stag Party? Within the first 15, 20 minutes, it was obvious. Once you once you poured the first shot, that's all, that's all on you. <laughs> I, I, now that I know you were out till one thirty, and that's when I woke up from a dream, a, a nightmare, and I didn't think I saved it. I wish I had made us drink some of that Lafrau. <laughs> all right, all right, high fives, buddy. Go get them. Um, and uh, Stag Party won't be on the uh, show with us next week because. Um, the guy's been working his nuts off and needs a week off. Enjoy your weekend, buddy. Enjoy those games. Let's fire it up. And um, much love to you. Much love. Talk to you. Ciao.